Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. <laughs> Day two, National Football League show with your boy Silio. You enjoyed the draft last night? Right? Did you? I did. Boy, this country needed to have that so much last night. It was so important for our country to be able to sit there and watch people cheering for their favorite team. I love the commissioner, too, and what he did by hugging all the guys again. He couldn't get a chance to do it a year ago. All the Corona bros out there were like, oh, we can't have any kind of like people getting close to one another. Selling that narrative, not last night. It was all about guys changing, really, directions of franchises and their own families. I thought it was an epic draft last night. I thought some teams got it, some teams didn't get it last night. I'm going to hit on that. But, man, all in all, the first round of the National Football League. How about the night for the, for the Southeastern Conference, right? First 20 picks, 10 dudes from the Southeastern Conference Get drafted into the National Football League's first round. Hey, it, and Alabama had six picks. They tied the University of Miami for the most first-rounders ever for a NFL draft. You want to go to a program now? You go to Alabama. That's the Tiffany program and all the college football. That's the millionaire place that you go. So it was really a great draft for the Southeastern Conference. And by the end of the draft in the seventh round, we're going to find out again, folks, uh, exactly how and why people look at the SEC and go, best conference in the country, best conference in the country, scheduled today to join the Big Sill Show here on the National Football Show. We're going to talk to the legendary Butch Davis. He's the current FIU head football coach, the former Cleveland Brown head coach, and he was also there in the building with Jimmy Johnson when they built that iconic dynasty with all those great football players. And we're going to talk to him. He drafted, by the way, or help get drafted, Ed Reed, uh, Ray Lewis, Vince Wolferk, uh, Reggie Wayne. These were all guys he recruited when he was the head football coach at the University of Miami. So you talk about talent, how you evaluate talent. Butch was in the room when they built that great dynasty 
with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk to Bill Romanowski, owner of four Super Bowls. Pretty entertaining guy. Let's just say this. Um, I have to say this to my boy Xander. Dump button. Just be careful because Bill's got a propensity to kind of like, you know, it's all good. That's what you get when you get a defensive guy. Remember, with offensive guys, those guys are thinkers. Defensive guys, we're more reactors. You know what I'm saying there? And we'll talk to the legendary former MVP, former dude that was in the Monday Night Booth too, our dear friend Joe Theismann. So we got a packed up show today for you here on the National Football Show. All right. I want to start this out. I I, I did this last night, and I tweeted it out. And you know what? I, I got to tell you, it did not shock me that Philadelphia Eagle fans were going to get on my ass right away once I tweeted out that Devontae Smith from Alabama, it's a horrible pick for the team. By the way, this is nothing personal on the kid. I think the kid, what he's done with himself, but let's be candid here. Okay, Jalen Waddle was the best wide receiver on the Bama team. He wasn't even the best receiver, according to the NFL scouts, on his own football team. He was the second dude. Okay, I mean, he wasn't even the best guy on his team. So when you go to the NFL, okay, I mean, six foot, 166, the Philadelphia Eagles right now, they don't need to build from the outside in. You don't build football teams from the perimeter in. The owner and Howie Roseman and the rock, paper, scissors coach, you don't build a team from outside in. You build it from inside out. Look at the teams that have won Super Bowls, okay? And I'll, I'll give you the, the Buccaneers have talented guys on the Y and Z, the wide receivers. That's the talented team. Well, But when Brady was in New England, he won with guys like Deion Branch. Let's see, Troy Brown, Wes Welker, who was a special teams guy in Miami. Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback in college, converted to a wideout. You don't see big-time wide receivers carrying football teams to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, Julio Jones, okay, he's a transcending type guy. No question about it. But these DeAndre Hopkins guys, Odell Beckham Jr. dudes, they're not going to carry you anyway. What they are, they're accessories. Devontae Smith is an accessory to a great quarterback. Now, look, if the Eagles had a Pro Bowl quarterback, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. But you got Jalen Hurts. You're under the assumption that Jalen Hurts can get him the ball. You're under the assumption that Jalen Hurts knows where to throw the ball. You're under the assumption that Jalen Hurts is the future. How many times have you seen wide receivers go to NFL teams after they've made their bones and they go to some place and the quarterback sucks out loud and he doesn't get the touches? This is an accessory, dude. Receivers are a dime a dozen. They're the most overrated position in all of the NFL. But you know why people like the wide receiver position? Because fantasy dorks love them. You don't build football teams like that. You build football teams with your line of scrimmage, with guys that get after the quarterback, running the rock. What was the big issue with the Steelers last year? Why do you think they went after Najee Harris? It was a great pick by Pittsburgh, by the way. Why do you think they went after him? They sucked on third and one. They couldn't pick up third and one. They let Connor go, and they had to go out and get a workhorse. And they see what that's doing up in Tennessee. Take a look at that game. Look, take a look at that team for a minute. So the Tennessee Titans, 
have been a great football team the last two years with Ryan Tannehill, and I can't name you a wideout on that team. But I know Derrick Henry's on that team. I know they get after people. I know they're good in the O and D lines. They're a little suspect last year in the D line. But you're trying to tell me you're going to build your team back. If you're Philly and you're going to build your team back with an undersized wide receiver on the perimeter with a suspect quarterback, good freaking luck. That's exactly how you don't do it. But you see, the fans in Philly want to see a shiny lure in the pond. You're not going to go after an old lineman after you get rid of Carson Wentz. You need to make a splash. Hey, did you see Loria too sitting in the draft room? What's that dude doing in there? What was he doing in there? Walking back and forth like he was in the middle of a decision when it came to picking a player? Dude, get your ass back up to your owner's box or back into your office. Let the guys do their jobs that you hired. Why are you in the room parachuting your thoughts in there? Owners should be seen and not heard on draft day and game day. How obnoxious can you possibly get? I had to actually write notes down here. And I had to write notes because there was so much stupidity last night with some of the guys on how they approached the draft. And Philadelphia popped out the most because – now, look, I want to underscore this. If Devontae Smith goes to Green Bay, Seattle, he goes to Pittsburgh. It's a great pick. You got a guy that can get him the ball. You got a decent offensive line. Like he would have been great in he would have been great in Green Bay. Okay. Hey, and by the way, falling in the draft, like Mac Jones did, don't be so disappointed because when you fall in the draft, you fall to better teams. <laughs> okay. You fall to better teams. So falling in the first round, that's exactly what happened to Roethlisberger. That's what happened to Mahomes. They actually traded up, though, the Chiefs to give it that. And they got up and they got their guy. But building a foot – Matt Millen did that crap from the perimeter, and it cost him his job being the general manager of the team. And, again, I want to underscore this. The kid's got great character. He was a – someone went like this. He dominated the SEC. Great. Well, that's why you're considered a first-round draft choice. And so what? You're in the NFL now. Well, he was great there. Great. But you have wide-open spaces on a football field, on a college field. In the NFL, they're like this. Are you going to be able to get separation when they play man coverage on you and they're jamming you at the line of scrimmage and knocking you to your knees because you're 150 pounds? Okay, you know what? Let's move on from them. Let's go to the Raiders. John Gruden, um, we're breaking some news here for you, too. John Gruden has contracted a crap picker. It's a disease that happens to hit every NFL head coach who actually thinks that he is a great picker when it comes to personnel. John Gruden has sucked out loud as a personnel guy his entire career. Name me the number one dude that he has drafted in his time in Tampa, Oakland A, and Oakland B. Answer, no one. Oh, wait. Yeah, Charles Woodson, and he was a defensive guy when he was in Oakland the first time around. I mean, John Gruden is under some sort of influence 
where he believes that this guy is a great evaluator of talent. I guess it's because he believes that he was on ESPN. This is the same guy that said Johnny Manziel was a can't-miss dude. That's the guy you're going to let you control along with Mike Mayock, your future. But then again, John's future is set. He's got a 10-year guaranteed contract at $10 million bucks a year. $100 million, excuse me. At ten million per, and it's guaranteed. John Gruden's got more job stability in the NFL than actually every other player except Patrick Mahomes. But actually, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have built a team-friendly contract to get him off on a speed ramp in case the Chiefs want to battle that contract. The Raiders—they don't have any off ramp. They owe that guy a hundred million dollars. John Gruden drafts a guy who had back surgery twice. By the way, the kid from old. The kid from Alabama is a great player, but you could have got him in the second round. Two back surgeries? Okay, I guess so. Man, he's 19 and 29. Okay, since he's been back with the Raiders. They're the worst team in the AFC West. Yeah, but they have Derek Carr. Derek Carr? Okay. Derek Carr, watch this. If I'm giving grades out for quarterbacks in the NFL, he's a B dude. Can you win with a B dude? Yeah. But the rest of your talent around is C to D. And that defense in Oakland slash Las Vegas, that defense is a D. You're not winning anything in a division with Patrick Mahomes and now Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers are a team that looks like they're one of those teams that look like they're going to make some hay. Just saying, man, I just I, – I went like this. I went, okay, you know, okay, the Raiders have not improved. They have not improved since John Gruden's been the head coach there. You know, John Gruden has a few games over five. How many people think John Gruden's a Hall of Fame coach? I surely don't. You take Tony Dungy's Super Bowl team away from him. Do you know that he's under 500? as an NFL head coach for his entire career. Now, I don't know about you, but Bill Parcells used to say it. You are what your record is, okay? You you can have people publicly go out there and create a narrative and make this guy sound better than he is. John Gruden's record, he's a few ticks above 500. This guy's a 500 coach making $10 million a year one of the highest paid guys in all the National Football League. Dude, I just don't get it, man. I really don't. I, I just I just do not get it. So we'll see how we roll here with this. I just I, – I, I, look, I don't know what Mark Davis is going to do, but make no mistake about it. That football team has got a lot of work to do, especially on the defensive side of the football. Now, I will say this to you. they got a boatload of draft choices coming up here over the next. And, again, the draft is tonight, second through three, I think it is tonight. So, um, no doubt, second and third round, you can still have yourself a hell of a draft. And, without a doubt, you can have yourself um, really some all pros and guys who can make roster spots and guys who can become starters in two and three, hell, even in the fourth round. All right, the story actually, too. What, what what kind of blows my doors off is, so Aaron Rodgers in the Packer deal, 
It's being reported now on Wednesday of this week, the 49ers made a move to go and uh, look at potentially trying to make a deal for Aaron Rodgers. They called the Packers up. They offered him their number three draft choice. Plus, I don't, I couldn't get really all the draft choices that they basically threw out there when it came to um, uh, what kind of package they were putting together. But they put a package together, and they were gonna, they were trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And you know what is even being talked about is that the Packers had made it very clear that they were going to try to move him because Aaron Rodgers didn't want to play um, in Green Bay any longer because of the relationship. You know, it's funny how on the eve of the draft and then on the draft night, he decides to go public and just say, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, a year ago, they ended up going into the first round, getting a kid from Utah State. And he made it very clear. You know, let me let, let me let me let me do this to you. And let me let me let me put it where I think this relationship is. You know, when you have a relationship in your family and you're with your wife or your girlfriend, okay, and all of a sudden publicly you start doing this. This guy's an ass. And, you know, she's rolling her eyes at you in public trying to, like, make fun of you. And you're looking at her like, okay. And you just, you've been around each other, you know, and you're starting to get under everybody's skin. And you're publicly going after one another. Or like, you know, you're you're at a bar and you go like this. She ain't very smart. And you're saying those things out loud. If you love somebody like that, right? I've been married 33 years. I know better. <laughs> okay? Right? I, I, I know better. And you, you start kind of like jabbing. And then you get to the point of no return. And that's where the Green Bay Packers are right now. They're at the point of no return. And... They're just in a position right now where they're not going to be able to call this relationship back. They're not going to be able to call this thing back. It's over. It's time to get a marriage counselor. No, that's over. It's time to get a divorce lawyer. This marriage is over. You become a detriment to the team. You become a detriment to your locker room. Here. I'll give you a for instance on how this really does piss off people. And by the way, Eagle fans, I just got through talking about the Eagles. They draft Hurts in the second round. Was Wentz pissed? I'll give you a story, personal story that was told to me. 1989, I'm out in Thousand Oaks with Dallas Cowboys, okay? I'm out there, and we go to dinner with Troy Aikman. I tweeted this out, this story, actually, at Dan Cilio show. And I go out there, we're going to we're going to dinner, and Troy stops me and he goes, Hey man, Jimmy Johnson, and we, we talked about this yesterday on the show with Jimmy. And and he goes like this to me, Hey, Aikman, your boy drafted Steve Walsh. Your boy drafted Steve Walsh, man. Not cool. Pissed me off a little bit. This is Troy Aikman talking. And I was like, if you think Jimmy Johnson drafted that guy to be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, you're high. He must have done it for some reason. And Jimmy said it yesterday. He drafted Steve Walsh because he wanted to get draft choices for him. And he did. He got first-round draft choices. 
I think from New Orleans, I think he may have even got three firsts and a third for him that Jimmy uh, converted into players on the Dallas Cowboys. He was never really going to, but he didn't let Troy know. But Troy was aggravated. They didn't talk to one another for two years. As long as Walsh was on that team, no way, man. Jimmy and him never got along because he was always thinking that he was going to put – Steve Walsh won a national championship with Jimmy at the University of Miami. And Troy was always thinking, I make one bad move here. Guess what's going to happen? This guy's going to drop his boy in and parachute his boy in. Well, <laughs> hey, that doesn't always work like that. And they have a wonderful relationship today. But at the end of the day, man, okay, that whole thing just absolutely fell apart. It did. It just absolutely fell apart. And it went south fast. And the only way it got better, the relationship between Jimmy and Troy Aikman, was they started winning. They started trusting one another. They started believing. So at the end of the day, I mean, these quarterbacks, especially the great ones, you have to kiss their ass like that. And you have to bend over backwards as much as possible when it comes to putting your football teams together with the guy that's your signal caller, and you've got to just be 100% behind him. You're married to that guy. Justin Fields last night falls, I guess, to the Bears. I got people telling me this. They're going, well, he goes to the Bears. What a great move for the Bears. Really? Name me a quarterback in 70 years the Bears have had. You went, wow, that's great. Even Jim McMahon last week said, if you're a quarterback, if you go to the Bears, they'll destroy you. It's another one of those landfill places in the NFL. And didn't you love to hear all these? Well, Trey Lance, who went number three to the 49ers. So this guy, is a he's a project. Dude, projects? First-round draft choices are not projects. First-round draft choices are guys that need to play immediately. These are guys that have to step in now. Okay? You waiting three years? Coaches don't have three years. That means you're prepping the team for the next dude. The Chicago Bears take a quarterback that, quite frankly, has more suspect uh, game around him than any guy in the draft, including Trey Lance. At least I don't know anything about the guy. I can build on that. And you go around his talent, I guess. Personally, I don't like any one of them dudes. Projects. For who? I need you to play today. What does that tell you, though? There's no way Trey Lance goes in in San Francisco and beats out Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo standing up, that kid has no chance of beating him out. You don't really think Trey Lance is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, do you? <laughs> if anybody on the planet watching this thinks that, you need to pick up badminton because Jimmy Garoppolo is 22-8. and eight. Jimmy Garoppolo's talent is not an issue. Jimmy Garoppolo's durability is the issue, okay? Just because Trey Lance may be more durable, that don't make him better. And that don't mean he's going to win ball games for you. And by the way, let's just flip a coin here. Garoppolo has a healthy year. Takes the team to the Super Bowl. This time, instead of Kyle Shanahan screwing it up like he did in Atlanta as the OC, 
and having a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl, right, and blowing that game as well, he actually wins one. And he wins it with Garoppolo. You're really going to move that dude out for Trey Lance? So this guy's going to be your backup? That's a good move. Here's what I'd do. I maybe would have gotten me a veteran. Now, they did make that call to Green Bay to try to get Aaron Rodgers. That just tells you where they were going and what their thinking was. Because I'll tell you this flat out. If they had been able to make that move with Aaron Rodgers and get him in there, and somehow miraculously they were able to keep the third pick, you know they would have took Kyle Pitts out of Florida in 10 seconds. Can you imagine Kyle Pitts and Aaron Rodgers with that team in San Francisco? They would be in the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers, hands down. One of those two teams would win the Super Bowl. Rodgers goes Rogers goes to San Francisco. They're in the NFC title game playing against the Bucs. So I, 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 I kind of get where San Fran is, but see – it wasn't – look at this. In Denver, Drew Locke stinks. They need a quarterback. That's why they made a move for Bridgewater. And by the way, Bridgewater's got injury histories too, okay? That devastating knee injury that he had up in uh, uh, Minnesota, okay, that was crippling. Then he goes to New Orleans, and Sean Payton turns him around, shows him how to play the position. He gets a nice contract with Carolina. He couldn't move the sticks down the field. But they needed something different than what they have in Denver right now. John Elway went, okay, let's go get Teddy. So they go and they get Teddy. Okay. They go and get Teddy. I don't know. Bridgewater's a good player. Step up from Tyrod Taylor. Okay. One of them kind of guys. Uh, not bad. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy's okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with him. But they're having a – Quarterback who's – get this. A, they draft a quarterback who's played one game this last year. I think he's got 14 starts, and he's being, I guess, dubbed the project. Okay. Third pick? Oof, isn't that cool? Can you imagine if you got to do this in your job? Hey, you don't really have to be productive for the next two years. You know, we got a guy that's a pretty good salesman here. And you could sit on your ass over in your desk there and you could play hangman. Or you could play like tic-tac-toe. <laughs> or no, rock, paper, scissors. We'll do that. And you could just sit over there on your desk for three years and nobody has, you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll call on you when we think you're ready, you know. Is that okay? Nobody goes to work like that, right? And you're, you're like, hey, I'm going to give you three. It's almost like a wasted first-round pick. Oh, well, we needed a quarterback. Yeah, but just because you needed one doesn't mean there was one there. And why did you take the guy who was ready to play then? Here, get get. this is why Mac Jones made more. And I'll tell you what I think of Mac Jones going to New England. Great move. So let's say Garoppolo does get hurt and you put that dude in. He ain't ready to play. All of a sudden, you start to David Carr him. He starts getting hurt, throws the ball high, throws some picks. Before you know it, you know what you have? You got a quarterback that's insecure. You got a quarterback that's not sure of himself. And at that position, quarterbacks are like golfers, folks. Okay? Quarterbacks are like golfers. 
you know, after they stand, watch this, they stand over a putt. And when they're making putts, unbelievable. Unbelievable. When they start missing putts, gets in their head a little bit. Or when you start doing that slice drive, I can't hit the ball straight to save my life. Gets in your head. Quarterbacks, it's the freakiest position I've ever seen when it comes to that. Confidence and streaky play, man, they go hand in hand when it comes to being a quarterback in the National Football League. Make no mistake about that. So you're going to play that guy right away? Man, that's why they kept Garoppolo. That's why John Lynch, general manager of the 49ers, he just he was he was caught between a rock and a hard place. Man, if I let this guy go. Here's something else to think about though with the 49ers. 49ers keep him on the team, right? He gets hurt. Okay? He gets hurt in the opening games of how about this? He gets hurt in the opening four games of the season. Folks, Make no mistake about it, man. You're going to put him on the open market. You're going to get nothing in return for him. You're going to get absolutely nothing. It's like the Drew Brees story that I mentioned yesterday. You know, there's a big battle between the Chargers, um, between A.J. Smith, the former general manager, and um, a guy, Marty Schottenheimer, and they were battling between Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. Marty Schottenheimer loved Loved Drew Brees. Said, this guy's a star. Drew Brees had been already. Okay? And he was, without a doubt, one of the absolutely great finds for, you know, A.J. Smith. And Marty loved him. But but A.J. Smith drafted, okay, drafted. <laughs> hey, man, he ended up drafting Phillip Rivers. Okay, well, he gets hurt in that game against Kansas City. What happens? He gets killed in that game, breaks his shoulder. Dr. Andrews has to put him together like Humpty Dumpty. And before you know it, man, make no mistake about it. It was a train wreck. Marty gets fired after 14-2. and They didn't know where to go. Okay, they move him, and the rest is history. He goes to New Orleans, and he absolutely saves that franchise and really puts Sean Payton on the map, really does. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at last night's NFL first round, and I'll give you my thoughts on every single team that they address needs. You know, one of the things that I always get asked, you know, like on a Monday after a draft, you know what I always get? I always get asked this. Hey, man, how did my team do? I, I don't know, man. The players, like, don't even have their helmet yet. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I'm like, hey, man, I'll let you know if you address need. So we'll take a look at the National Football League's first round, and we'll see if every team filled the need or some teams that didn't fill the need. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. 
Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl winning head coach. They traded the highest paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. here national football show here on jacob media we've got a change in the lineup here you know sometimes you have to bring in mariano rivera you know so we'll reschedule bill romanowski and our friend butch davis a little bit later but still we'll have tony casillas talking some dallas cowboy football the former all pro number two overall selection by the atlanta falcons played for jimmy johnson during those great dallas cowboy days Former Lombardi winner at Oklahoma, one of the legendary players off that dynasty, does a show in Dallas. We will talk to him about the Dallas Cowboys pick, which we're going to go over here in a couple minutes here. Also, we'll talk to Joe Theismann a little bit later on and get his assessment. You know, it's one thing to hear me talking about quarterback play. It's another thing to hear from a guy who actually was a former NFL MVP and won a Super Bowl and got to a couple Super Bowls with the Washington Redskins. So let's move on here. All right, let's take an overall look at the first round, okay? Were there some surprises in the um, 
in the first round. There always is. Okay. Because, you know, all these draft experts and all these guys with these stupid mock drafts, I mean, there's nobody that probably got 30% of them right. Just doesn't happen like that. Okay. It just does not happen like that. All right. So let's take a look at, you know, the first pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence. I don't really think that that was a shocker. There's no reason for Urban Meyer to take that job at all whatsoever if he's not there and he's not taking that Jags job. You know, Shea Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, has upgraded the facilities. Um, they end up doing some really good things in this draft here. We'll see what that translates into. Remember something, winning the offseason is important, but when you're the Jaguars, it's like, you know, a college team always telling me, well, we really had a great recruiting class. I don't really care what that recruiting class looks like unless you go out and you apply it and you win national championships. How many times have we seen teams win, you know, when we won the recruiting war? You won the recruiting war. Who cares? Where did you end up and where did you finish when it came to the final rankings? Were you in the top 25? Did you win a national title? Or once again, were you one of those teams that thinks you have talent on your team, but once again, you overvaluate your roster? So we'll see what the Jags. How good do I think Trevor Lawrence is? I think he's a transcending type guy, okay? And I'm going to leave it at that because I've already made my feelings known on how I look at him and how I see um, that football program moving forward. I want to see him under pressure. And more importantly, I want to see Trevor Lawrence when everybody around him and he doesn't have the best players um, in the country any longer on his Clemson team. You're now on a roster now that doesn't really have a lot of good football players. We'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer for that matter. Okay, Could they be a surprise? The division stinks as it is, but we'll see. All right. Number two pick, Zach Wilson, BYU. He goes to the Jets. Zach Wilson. <laughs> okay, I saw him against Coastal Carolina. He threw three picks. I saw him against San Diego State. I don't know. I saw him against some other quality teams. I've never been really impressed. Oh, I know. He had a great pro day. Who cares? Pro day? Nobody cares about a pro day. You got your own receivers, your home building. Everything is set up for you perfectly. I'm sorry. End of the day, Zach Wilson going to the Jets. Why am I under the spell of the media that Zach Wilson is the guy who's going to change fortunes for the Jets? Here's the guy. A guy who was okay in college is now going to – but he throws a really mean out pass. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. All right, number three. You already got my feelings on Trey Lance. If here, here, here's what I said. You know, I'm not going to tell you it's a good pick. You know why? Because the 49ers aren't telling you it's a good pick. They're telling you he's a what is it? Prospect pick. He's a futures pick. He needs to be developed. Well, if the 49ers are talking like that, why am I going to say this to him? Well, you know, he's really a great, he's a great selection. You know. This is something that, you know, Kyle Shanahan can, well, they're not even really sold on him. Okay? They're, they're not even really sold on him. Number four is the best player taken next to Trevor Lawrence so far in the draft, and that's Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts from Florida. I, I, I think he's Travis Kelsey, and I think he could be somebody special. 
this guy here is a player that, okay, look, if you put him in a situation and asking him to block and you think that he can be put in areas in the run game that can help because tight ends have to be in the run game. They have to be efficient in the run game. You can, you can design plays. I heard Dan Mullen, the head coach of the Gators, make that comment. We always tried to put him in a position, which means this. You're not going to put him on the best pass rusher, okay? If Atlanta's smart, you don't line him up on the best pass rusher where you're asking him to go out there and say have to block a guy like J.J. Watt, okay? If you're doing that, you're going to get him in a position where this kid may not be able to handle something like that. So you kind of put him on the weak side, but you put him in the slot. You can line him up out wide. He's a mismatch nightmare. Best athlete, in my opinion, and most productive player, in my opinion, in the NFL draft is there at four. And now you put him on the other side of Matt Ryan. Did they address the need? Yeah. Now you've got him and Julio Jones. I know Julio Jones has been making comments about potentially wanting out. But if I'm Julio Jones now and I have Kyle Pitts on the other side of me and I'm Matt Ryan, I'm feeling pretty good about my offense going into 2021, aren't you? Number five, Jameer Chase. This kid here, I talked to Ed Ogeron about him, wide receiver, and he ends up going to the Bengals. You know, there was a comment that maybe Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman from Oregon, would potentially land here. And this is a great selection. See, here's something, and, and this is where the Eagles miss, and I'll get to the Eagles here in a minute. you got a guy in Joe Burrow that when you look at Joe Burrow, you go like this. Last year when I looked at um, Justin Herbert, I went just like this. Those two guys can play. When I look when I looked at Tua Tagovailoa, I went like this. I don't know. Yeah, but Danny didn't. Yeah, but it only took me a half of football to look at Justin Herbert and go, that dude's a stud. And then when I saw Joe Burrow making plays, I went like this. That dude's a stud. I looked at Tua. I went, I don't know. I don't want to say that about my number one prospect, a quarterback. I don't know. You know? Hey, when I look at Jalen Hurts, I don't know. Then you draft a receiver to go with a, I don't know, quarterback. Congratulations to you. And by the way, speaking of Alabama, the best receiver on the team got drafted at number six to the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, I think, if I'm not mistaken, got hurt in the Tennessee game. I think it was either Tennessee or Georgia game. I'm not, I, I think it was either one of those two games that he got hurt at the beginning of the year and he tried to go for the national championship. But this guy here, man, I heard so many fabulous things. People have interviewed him. They've talked to him. They loved him at the Combines. And what a spectacular player. Great with people over him. Great in the slot. I think if Tua is the guy, what you did here was the same thing that, that Cincinnati did. You got a weapon for the kid. And you know what you got to give the Dolphins here credit for? They're trying to let Tua succeed here. You know, unlike the Packers, they got a safety. Kind of reached up for that guy. We'll hit on that here in a minute. But, I mean, instead of trying to, like, smooth things over with the quarterback that you're pissing off, Aaron Rodgers, they get a safety. Look at what these two teams did right here with their young quarterbacks. The Bengals get a receiver, and the Dolphins end up getting a receiver. That's how you build teams, and that's how you build core dudes. Speaking of Panay Sewell here, this is what they did. They ended up going and getting him. At number seven, that's the Lions. Look, whatever you think of Jared Goff, here's what I think of Jared Goff. I know he got to a Super Bowl. 
He won an NFC championship. Not bad. But Sean McVay surrendered on him, didn't he? He just basically gave up on him. And I was like, okay, yeah. Um, so they sent him to Detroit with the guy who likes, uh, you know, knocking kneecaps out or chewing kneecaps, whatever the stupid thing was. Coach Campbell, take your kneecaps out. Okay, great. Yeah, you know what? I never heard any great coaches like, you know, Bill Belichick, Jimmy Johnson, Parcells, say, hey, chew your kneecaps out. Hey, like a pirate or something. Really dopey. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So, I mean – yeah, but Penesol, I talked to Mario Cristobal actually last night. He goes, Dan, this guy here, six five and a half, and he is a bitch. J.C. Horn, that's Joe Horn's kid. He goes to the Carolina Panthers. He's right there in the backyard there at South Carolina, cornerback, um, really a fine ball player. You know, here's one of the guys that's uh, kind of sneaked up into the draft. He's one of your better players in the draft. And once again, another Southeastern Conference kid. Um, I, I, they're weak on defense. I wouldn't be shocked if Carolina and Matt Rule decide to stick on defense on that side of the football because, look, they got to stop people. You got Christian McCaffrey. You're going to get an opportunity to get a redo here with Sam Darnold. Okay. You've got a nice offense. You got to stop people in Carolina. Carolina's defense, when they went to the Super Bowl, they were outstanding in their front seven. They're not really good in their front seven right now. Okay. Patrick Sertan, here's the deal here with this whole thing with Patrick Sertan, too. You see, Patrick Sertan was going to be, he was going to be taken by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, and by the way, not to get political here with you here, the Eagles and the Cowboys made a deal. Boy, wouldn't that be great if Republicans and Democrats could ever do that? Okay, <laughs> Washington, D.C., I digress. Man, I, I, I started laughing. I went, excuse me, there's a deal between the Eagles and the Cowboys? Okay, this is when you know the NFL draft right now. Everybody's trying to get better, no matter if you're in division, no matter if you're in the same conference, no matter if you're neighbors. Nobody cares. So they end up they end up moving with the Eagles. Sertain ends up going to the Broncos. I'm convinced without a doubt if the Broncos didn't take Patrick Sertain, the Cowboys would have stayed there at 10 and they would have drafted this kid, Patrick Sertain. He's the best corner, in my opinion, in the secondary. It's in the draft. I think he is a spectacular player. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And when you have that tag on you, you're the SEC Player of the Year, that's, some, that's saying something. That means you're a baller, okay, when you're in that conference. As you can see, I'm a gigantic SEC fan, and there ain't no other conference. And you'll see it through round seven. SEC is going to have the most players drafted, as usual, because it's the best conference. I, I would compare it to this. The SEC is like the Premier League. Of soccer, they could they could play football by themselves. They don't need the Pac-12. They don't need the ACC. They don't need the Big Ten. They could just play a little tournament amongst themselves, and we'd all watch it because all these dudes end up getting drafted. Like I said, ten dudes in the top twenty went from the Southeastern Conference in the NFL's first round. 
that's where you know you're good. Don't tell me about all American teams. Look at the top 10. Let's get here to number 10 now and what the Eagles did. And I'll hit on it again, what I said. And I want to make it clear and I want to underscore it here. And I want to make sure Eagle fan understands this. I'm not pissing on the kid. I think the kid's a fine ball player. Six feet, 166, doesn't frighten me. Like I heard his stats coming out of the combines. That doesn't scare me. It's not the same NFL. See, back in the day when you could mug receivers coming off the line of scrimmage and you could beat the piss out of them running down the field, that's not the same league anymore. You know, they allowed – the reason that the wide receiver position has become more – how about this – more visible than the running back position, and that's kind of faded, is more players today want to be wide receivers and running backs. You know that? When you see these guys coming out of college today, you don't see a lot of running backs coming out of college anymore. All these guys that want to be specialty guys, if they can't be quarterbacks, they want to be wideouts. Why is that? You don't get hit as much as you used to back in the day. There's a lot of penalties. Can't go to the head. Can't be as physical as you once were with these guys. How many times you see 15-yard penalties or targeting? You're protected as a wideout. You're not protected as a running back. You think Derrick Henry's protected? Right? He ain't protected. Wide receiver, on the other hand, Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins, these guys are going to be protected. Targeting, like I said, right? Can't jam them on the line of scrimmage past five yards. So that position has become more How about this? More of an attraction to the star athletes than it was in the past. And Devontae's a fine player, but let's take a look at the issues that the Eagles had a year ago, okay? They sucked in the red zone horrifically, okay? They have absolute – they had wide receivers on that football team. Alshon Jeffries, what a bum. Holy cow, what a bum and a clubhouse cancer, okay? Then you had Jackson on the team, too. This guy was made of paper mache. You had had a guy who was a clubhouse cancer, and you had a guy who was made out of paper mache. One guy whispered in the corner, I love Nicky Foles. He's my guy. I built a statue for him, you know. I got a little pin doll here for Wentz. Guy was a worm. (laughs) I mean, worst move that the Eagles have made in, like, ever is bringing that tool to the Eagle locker room. Mr. Hey, get this. If he catches Foles' pass in that game against the Saints, they'd probably go to another NFC title game. The guy was a bum in Philly. And so what do they do? Okay, I said red zone and wormy receivers. Zero running game. Aging O-line. D-line. Do you ever get pressure on anybody in Philly? You know, do you ever put the quarterback on his head? Look, I love Fletcher Cox. Fantastic football player. I would say this to you. He's not quite Jerome Brown, but he is as good a run stopper as JB was. JB was my running mate um, in Miami at the University of Miami. And I would say that he's not the pass rusher. But then again, he didn't play on the same D-line with Reggie and Clyde Simmons and them dudes, okay? Seth Joyner and them guys, because that was a really great defense. Philly had a great defense a couple years ago. And how they won the Super Bowl? They won the Super Bowl because they were dominant at the point of attack, and they were stopping people on the other side. So to the point here, okay, you signed a guy on the outside that can't help you 
because you're not sure of your quarterback. You, when I look at Jalen Hurts, I see this. Watch, and this is a, this is my assessment. I, I'm going to give you the positives. I love the fact that he could play for Nick Saban. I loved what he did in the SEC title game when he came in for Tua. I love the fact he was a great teammate there. I love the fact that he went from that program to Lincoln Riley's program with Oklahoma, and his teammates loved him right away. What does that tell me? He could go from one program to another, pick up a system, and look, smarts is not the issue with Jalen Hurts. Okay? When I see Jalen Hurts, do you, do you see a guy that can win a Super Bowl? Some may say yes. I'll tell you one thing I do like about him. I love his character. I love how he is trying to be like Dak Prescott and put everybody out and go like this. Hey, man, I think this guy here has a lot of leadership qualities in him, and I really do like him a lot, okay? But when I saw him play last year, now maybe this too, okay? Rookie games, we saw Tua struggle, okay? The Eagles had nothing as offensive. I don't even know who Carson Wentz was throwing to, man. They're guys that – were taking the mail out or guys that were working at the airport or something. I mean, I never heard of any of these guys that the Eagles had at the end. Okay. So maybe as we see him with maybe better talent, I don't know. I just don't think the old line in the running game is going to help him. I think the Eagles are the worst team in the NFC East. I just, we'll see what they do the rest of the draft. I just, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Okay. Let's move off of them and go over to Justin Fields. Another project guy at number 11 to the Bears. You know, if, if you go – if Justin Fields had gone to New Orleans, I'd be like this. He's going there with a quarterback guru. He's going there with a guy who knows how to – look what he did. He's changing Jameis Winston's game around. He changed Teddy Bridgewater's game around. You know, is he like the quarterback whisperer, Sean Payton? Yeah. I think Sean could do a lot of great things for Justin Fields. He's going up with Nagy. Now, he did have a winning record with Mitchell Trubisky. Is this guy ready to – you think he's ready to go and play in the NFC North? Man, look, I've talked enough trash on this kid. I just don't I, – I personally, man, I don't think he's a first-round draft choice. I just don't see it. And, and here, here, here's something to think about. I know all you draft experts out there. Why are you dogging the kid? Well, let's just go back into history of the NFL quarterbacks taken in the first round. You know 70% of them fail? 70%. That means in this draft here with these five guys that were taken in this draft, here, know this. One guy's going to be great. One dude's going to be okay. And the rest are going to stink. It's not just me. It's what's the history of being drafted. Take a look at the last 10 years in draft choices that have just been like garbage. But same hype. Oh, my God. Dwayne Haskins. You know that guy, Joe Klatt? Joe Klatt come out and goes, this guy, Dwayne Haskins, he's going to be an immediate starter in Washington. He's going to be spectacular. I was like this. I don't know. And, again, I said it. Another guy from Ohio State. This guy will be a bum by the end of the year. This guy's taking selfies in the stands. Hey, Dwayne. Dog. It's third down. Oh. This guy was a dope. <laughs> and, and, and the new head coach, Ron Rivera, hated that. 
You know, how about this? When you get fired because of lack of immaturity, take it from me, that ain't cool. You'd rather be fired because of lack of productivity, not because of immaturity. And that's what Dwayne Haskins was fired on. But Justin Fields, he's going to be the dude. Yeah. Okay. Wake me up when that happens. At 12, Mika Parsons, the Penn State linebacker. I think this guy is a baller. It's between Kyle Pitts and him who are the best athletes. You know, you know what? There was a coach by the name of Fred Akers. He coached at Texas back in the day. You guys may have to look him up or YouTube him. He called it the 20-foot rule. All I need to see is 20 feet of game film, and I know whether or not this guy's good or not. And that's what this guy Parsons is. Every time I watched him play, I saw a player that was getting better. He could put his hand in the dirt. He could stand up. And he is a great run stopper. And what was the big problem? The Cowboys addressed something here. This is a good pick. The Cowboys addressed it because they stunk out loud when it came to um, not being able to stop the run. Now, here's the deal with him. I'm going to make another comparison to him. He's not like LeVar Arrington. What he's more like is he's more like Junior Seau. And what you did with Junior Seau when you were with the Chargers or New England, you couldn't do this, put him in a structured defense. Hey, this is your responsibility. Line up here, do this. He was so – when Junior Seau played, Junior Seau was put in a position and said, guard this area. Sometimes Junior Seau would get blocked. But you know what would happen? Junior Seau, he, he would run around the position – and Seau would he would make plays, and he would he would he would be completely out of position, you know, blocked on his outside. Come around, make a play, get the guy, and run him down from behind. Now, if you're a defensive coordinator, that makes you crazy because he's not playing in a structure. I, I, I I've talked to Rodney Harrison numerous times about this. Used to drive Rodney Harrison crazy when Rodney was in. Uh, both San Diego and in New England, he'd get back in the huddle and he would do this. Damn, man, you're out of position, man. You hurt the entire structure of the defense when you're out of position. But you know what Junior would do? Junior would go like this. Okay, man, but he would make 15, 20 plays. So when you're a captain or you're a leader on a team like that, what you're doing is you're going, you're going like this. Okay, man, Jesus. This guy's so talented and he's so gifted that what you don't want to do is you don't want to take that away from the kid. And that's kind of what Parsons is all about. And I, I, I really like the pick. I think the kid is going to be a superstar and it wouldn't shock me if he goes on to be a pro bowler too at that position. They needed that pick. That's a really good pick. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a Stephen Jones pick there because he's done a really nice job at putting together that football team. At 13, by the way, we'll go on the other side with this, too. We'll pick up at, you know, 14 probably here. But Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman, uh, he ends up going to the Chargers. Man, are the Chargers going to be a good football team? And, again, look. Look what, the, look what the Chargers did, like what Cincinnati did, like what we saw with the Dolphins on getting a wide receiver for Tua. 
Look at what the Chargers did here in Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Chargers. They go out and they get Rashawn Slater, an offensive lineman, a left tackle, protecting my, my backside, and getting players that are going to be able to help my young football player become a better football player. That's how you get the draft. When you start drafting players from the outside in or you're getting like shiny players like Johnny Manziel or some of these other guys, that's not how you build a team. Hey, let's just get the best player available. That's not necessarily what your need is. Some people look at the draft and they go, well, let me just get the best guy and the best athlete. How many times have you seen that? Man, that guy really was great in college. He was spectacular in college. Got into the NFL. They drafted a guy out of position. You know, we talked to Phil Sims yesterday about this. By the way, we got Tony Casillas, who covers the Dallas Cowboys. He'll be coming up in the next hour along with Joe Theismann. We'll get Joe's thoughts on all of what I'm saying here just to see whether or not Joe agrees or disagrees with me. But if you are a personnel guy and you've got a young signature guy, like if you're in Cincinnati, you got Joe Burrow. If I'm in Tennessee, Derrick Henry runs that team. It ain't Ryan Tannehill. Now you want to get more weapons to help Ryan Tannehill. But what you want to do also is you want to be able to like get players around Derrick Henry to help Derrick Henry, because that's the only way Tennessee is going to win ball games. Be good on defense and run the football. All right. We're going to pick up. We're going to finish the first round. And also there's a team that no question has a lot of pressure on them in 2021, and they made a pretty damn good move in this draft last night in the first round. We'll tell you next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history, and they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Dan Silio Show slash National Football Show. Hope all are having a great day. Rounds two and three tonight. And, and by the way, know this. The most successful round in pro football history is the third round, just so you know. Okay? You go back in all the years of the NFL and you take a look at the round that you get the most production for your value. It is the third round. So these rounds that you have, the majority of the National Football League, folks, is unsigned guys and guys rounds three through seven. I know most of you like to think, well, most of the teams are first. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. Here, I'll, I'll give you a great example of what how a football team won a boatload of games. Name me a first-round draft choice that was in the New England Patriots offense that won Super Bowls, that were skill-set players. Name me one. 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 Let's see. Welker and Edelman. No. Gronk. No. Brady. No. Oh. Troy Brown. No. Deion Branch. No. Can't say Randy Moss. They never won with Randy Moss. So that dynasty didn't have one first rounder in the huddle. Think of that for a minute. Didn't have one first rounder in the huddle. Well, wait a minute. You, you, wait, they went to check. They didn't have one huddle. They didn't have one guy in there from the quarterback all the way through the receivers. Let's not forget Aaron Hernandez. I think he was a fourth or fifth rounder. Brock was a second rounder at Arizona. And the rest of those guys were trades. I mean, Welker was a special teams guy in Miami that was traded from the Chargers to the Dolphins, and he was a special teams dude. Edelman was a quarterback in college, and they converted him. It wasn't like they had like big-time superstars playing wide out, and they were making all kinds of moves with, hey, man, let me get a – that wasn't how that team was built, and that's not how that team was constructed. We dropped off in the last block here, and we're going through the NFL draft last night. We're – Sitting here at 13, we just talked about Mika Parsons and we talked about Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers. Really a great – I think the Chargers had a great draft. Elijah Vera Tucker ended up going offensive guard to uh, the Jets. 
kind of a reach, but you know what? He's SC. See, look, SC, offensive line. Yeah, okay. You're talking to me about USC quarterback? I'm going to be suspect on that. They don't produce quarterbacks. That's a school that produces O-line and defensive line, linebackers, secondary guys, wideouts, quarterbacks? I don't think so. So, And I can hear people going, so you recruit the school? Yeah. Because the law averages are telling me Ohio State doesn't produce one, Alabama rarely does, and SC never does. Yeah, I am. Let's go here to Mac Jones. What a great pick. Guy, hey, and by the way, remember what I said to you about falling, okay, and falling down into the draft? Well, this is falling into success. The more you go, see, look, here, here's what happens. When you're at the top end of the draft, you're going to suck-ass teams. Bad coaches traditionally. Bad rosters. Bad environment. Bad everything. There's a reason we talk about the Jets, the Jags, and all them sorry-ass teams like the Bengals at the top of the draft every year. Culture, cheap owner. Watch this. I can give you the identity of some of them teams. Bengals, cheap. It's not that they're bad the talent evaluators. They're just cheap. Bengals, that's what they are. That's their identity. Jags, cheap and can't evaluate. Now they've kind of changed that with getting Urban Meyer in the room. We'll see if he – watch his. Who's to say Urban Meyer is going to be a good NFL coach? You know, very few of them dudes that go from the college ranks and all of a sudden trampoline into the NFL – and those dudes turn out to be really great football players, coaches, and, you know, a, a guy for the players. I don't know. We'll see. That's a, that's a big leap because you know the difference here? These guys get paid just like you. And you start BSing guys who get paid, you know, you can give coach, you can give that coach speech and rah-rah speech and slapping guys on the ass. Hey, man, do it for Ohio State. We love you. That don't work in the NFL. Guys get paid, and that's the only way they know that they're getting places is getting paid. All right, so Matt Jones going to the um, going to the Patriots is awesome. I know I, I hear people going, man, he's got a lot of Brady qualities. He does, and I guarantee you that's what Nick Saban said to him and told Belichick. Kid's first guy in the room. He's the last guy out of the building. His teammates love him. That's the key with Brady. His teammates love him. Okay? They love him. And that was one of the selling points. Because, look, watch this. When Brady came out of college, out of Michigan, you see that picture he posts all the time during the draft? This guy looks like Ichabod Crane, some school teacher dude. It looks like he drives a school bus. Fat, no muscle tone. He couldn't throw the out pattern. He just was a dude. You're looking at him. You're like, that's Tom Brady. When he came out of Michigan, that's Tom Brady. You kind of see that a little bit with Mac Jones. You see that dude with his shirt off and cigar. You were like this. Okay. uh, Yeah. That guy. But here, I'm going to give you a great comparison. So when I was at the University of Miami, we had two quarterbacks. We had Vinny Testaverde and we had Bernie Kosar. When Vinny took his shirt off, you were like, holy cow, this guy here. Squats 550, benches 350 pounds, runs a 475. He's 6'5 and a half, 
and you went like this. Wow. That dude is – that's how a first pick in the draft looks. Then you saw Bernie. Bernie took his shirt off. You're like, okay, so this guy looks like a fat volleyball player that goes to the beach, gets hammered, gets sunburned, and you're like, boy, this guy's drunk again, had no muscle tone, had nothing. You look, you looked at Bernie Kosar and you went, uh, okay, throws the ball, sidearm, three quarters, over the top. This guy was like Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes, but without athletic ability. But I'll tell you something, if I had to win a ball game, I'd take Bernie Kosar over Bernie Kosar over any quarterback I ever played with. That guy just knew how to win ball games, won a national championship, brought the Browns to the AFC championship game three times, has a Super Bowl ring and a national championship ring. He was a backup quarterback. There was thought when Aikman got hurt in Dallas that, you know what? Bernie was going to be the starting quarterback going into the Super Bowl, but Troy was able to take the baton from him and go into that game and win it. But Kozar was a great player, man. That guy just knew how to win ball games, man. He was so talented at winning it. And you looked at him, you went, man, it's just, I don't know. Hey, Bern, keep your shirt on, dog. <laughs> and Vinny, man, he was like stout and big and strong. And you were like, man, if you put two dudes in a room and you went, who do I want to have as my look to my starting quarterback? You'd take Vinny 10 times over. But if you ask players in that room, who would you rather have as your starting quarterback to go win ball games? There wouldn't be a guy in that room that wouldn't pick Bernie Kosar or Vinny. And they couldn't have been two more opposite dudes in how you looked at them. So every time somebody tells me about Trey Lance and Justin Fields, that doesn't impress me. What impresses me is your game tape. And I'm not saying those guys had bad game tape. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just saying that I don't. There's certain holes in their game. And especially when franchises are coming out going like this, themselves are saying it. Well, you know, he's kind of a prospect and he's a project. A project at three? <laughs> well, wouldn't you like to have that latitude going into your new job? Hey, you don't have to be productive for the next three years. Just sit around at your desk eating popcorn. You all right with that? Uh, yeah, I think. Right? I mean, so and every other player that gets drafted in the first round, these guys here, man, you're expected to go in there and ball, right? Devontae is projected to go in there and have to go in there and kick people's ass. Again, look, I, I think Mac is gone to the right place. And they see so much of Brady in them. I don't mind comparing players to players that you see and have had in your organization. At the University of Miami, we used to do that all the time. You know, it reminds me of Cortez Kennedy. He reminds me of Jerome Brown. He reminds me of Ray Lewis. He reminds me of John Beeson. He reminds me of uh, Michael Irvin or Reggie Wayne or Andre Johnson. You know, every time you see guys like that, it's okay to compare. When I see Matt Jones play, he sits in the pocket. He's a tough dude. And by the way, do you know what his best asset is? Played in the SEC, too, so know this. His best asset is when there's traffic around him and he's in the pocket, he does not get flustered at all in any way. 
there's a lot when you, when you're in the pocket like that. What do we people? You hear people say "happy feet." Baker Mayfield's got this. You know why Baker Mayfield struggles at throwing a pocket pass because he does, he lacks courage back there. When you're a quarterback and you've got you've got all kinds of traffic around you, the great quarterbacks like Brady, like Manning, you always see their feet moving. They're tapping, 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 and you got to have courage in there. You can't just take off running because your athleticism. And I think this is one of the things that kills Lamar Jackson, even though he's won 80% of his games. But when you get into really good playoff football games and you've got to rely on that guy to win from the pocket, what's the first thing that happens when the pocket breaks down? He doesn't sit in there enough. Next time you're watching a college or NFL or even high school game and you see a quarterback sit back there and he's got traffic all around him, that's why they do a great new drill now. They wave like a, a broom in front of their face. They're moving all kinds of things around them. And by the way, they do it around their legs and knees to see if – because remember something. If somebody's going for your legs, what most quarterbacks will do, they'll go down, ball goes high, it's how you throw picks. But the great quarterbacks, they're stout in there, traffic all around them, players diving at their feet, and the great ones stand in there. This is what happened to Wentz. Okay, Wentz got a little bit happy feet, and he threw. He would throw so many picks, and you know where he threw the picks when he had his own goalpost at his back. Let's bring in my buddy here, Tony Casillas, the second pick in the National Football League draft. God, I want to say that was 1985. Long ass time ago. It really is. DB at a television channel every Monday through Friday, five p to six p Central Time. Via, am I saying it right? Roku TV? Yeah, Roku TV. I, it's Yeah, that's that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So, Tone, let me get your sense of what you saw last night in the NFL draft. I was just telling folks here that, um, you know, I like the Cowboy. We'll get to the Cowboy pick here, Parsons, here in a second. But to me, you know, every time I talk to an NFL guy, people always ask me this. Fans go, so what kind of litter grade? I'm like, these dudes don't even have their helmets yet, dude. Okay, they don't even have their helmets yet. They're not even gone to, like, their first rookie camp. What I look at teams is filling needs. How do you think the teams did last night in the opening round? I thought uh, across the board, I think there were surprises. I mean, there was no surprise that Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Trey Lance goes to the 49ers. I don't know really what they thought they were going to do until the last uh, minute, it seemed like, at the draft. Um, I thought that uh, – I thought the Justin Fields uh, pick was pretty interesting. Um, I thought he would go higher, but you're right. You, the way they evaluate these guys and us, being, us having gone through all that, what it takes to play in the National Football League, I mean, I love watching this. I think when you see the raw emotion of guys getting their, their lives changed forever and then dreams getting broken. Uh, but across the board, I thought it was interesting. I thought that uh, – there's a lot of the, the Mac Jones to me with the, the New England Patriots. Um, I thought that that was something that they wanted to go and address the quarterback situation. Um, I, I got to talk about Green Bay, though, because I know the Aaron Rodgers, this, him not wanting to go back and play with the, the Green Bay Packers. I thought it was interesting. Again, they did not really try to help Aaron Rodgers and go out and get a wide receiver, draft, draft a cornerback. But I think. Uh, I think Jacksonville, they got two first-round draft picks. They got two guys from Clemson. 
Uh, but really nothing unusual. Uh, again, as you, you mentioned, Dan, and I like how you're, you understand and you're all ramped up. And I saw, I read your tweet, which was interesting about the, about the, the, the LA, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. You weren't too thrilled about what they did, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it's always, it it wasn't something that was out of the ordinary. I thought that the Cowboys, when we get into that, I thought that they postured themselves and really just. Uh, we're able to get another pick to to move down with that twelfth pick and uh, and, and drafting Micah Parsons, uh, but as a whole, again, it's all about fruition, man. It's all about these kids. What you know, for three years, four years from now, maybe a year. It seems like in two years, uh, we'll find out what these guys uh, ultimately do on the football field. Do you agree, Tony? I think you bring up a great point, and I was just telling everybody this that so like the Bengals go out and receiver to get the kid chase from LSU to help out right. their young quarterback. The Dolphins get Waddle from Alabama to try to help tug a Viola out. And then I see the Packers draft and reach up to get a corner <laughs> and not help their quarterback out. And he was bitching today going, <laughs> I want out of here. I mean, are, is, is this what this just is here right now with Green I, Bay and Aaron? I just don't think that the Green Bay – I don't think they understand the value and they underappreciate what they have. And I think that they're asking Aaron Rodgers to go out and be an MVP player and do what he did last year. And, you know, Aaron's going to be, what, 38 years old, 37 years old, and yet a resistance against going out and getting him help. And I think it's just it's, – it's amazing that – I, I don't know. It's going to it's going to be the next. I would say next two or three weeks is going to be interesting to see what the drama, how the drama unfolds. And but I, yeah, it's a it's almost like we're going to do everything we we want you, Aaron, to come back and play, and we want to extend your contract, but we're not going to do anything to help your ass out. And that's kind of what I interpret. And then last year, going out and drafting a quarterback, and look, I think there's there's only one guy I can think that really demands. Uh, the ownership to listen to him. That's Tom Brady because it seems ultimately what Tom Brady says that organization will do. Although Tom Brady goes out and wins a Super Bowl, but I don't know the whole dynamic with Aaron Rodgers and you know, I, and personally, I just don't know about him, Dan. I don't know if the we we only see the exterior things that go on. We don't know what's going on in the locker room and the in the the relationship he has with. Um, with the organization when it comes to the management, but man, it's just a weird deal, man. <laughs> it really is. Tony, I want, I wonder if you can give us a reflection for you. You were the second player taken in 85 by the Atlanta Falcons. And I was telling people when I got a call, I'll never forget because there were two holy, you know, what moments for me when I'm standing on the sideline and I have my NFL helmet under my hand and I'm looking up going, the jets are flying over over Tampa Stadium, I'm going, holy, you know what? I'm standing here, and there's Walter Payton. Holy cow, and I'm doing – I mean, like, I can't believe I'm here. And then when I got the call from Rich McKay, too, I'm going, damn, dude, I just got <laughs> drafted in the NFL. I mean, give, give, give me your moment, too, because, dude, you're the second player taken in that draft. That is remarkable for a defensive tackle, especially in today's landscape. I don't know if we may ever see that again. D linemen like that going that high with the emphasis on quarterbacks now that there is <laughs> today, right? 
Well, yeah, and Jim Ever, I think he he was a third player picked in the draft, and people were like, what the hell are you picking a nose tackle with your second pick? That would never happen. Um, this takes a rare breed. But, you know, I think that it was a little different. I, I You know, obviously with the sensationalism and, you know, the marketability and the show that the NFL uh, portrays and puts on production every year, I think it's – I think it's great for the fans. I think it's great to see that and to get them excited and really just the NFL is the brand. But I think behind all, you know, the big curtain as a player, it's all about playing football. I mean, that's great. It's great to be able to get drafted and you're the second player picked in the draft and whether, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you're the first player picked in draft. And, and all of a sudden they're asking you questions. Well, how do you feel about the pressure you having to win? you having to turn this organization around. And, you know, to me, I think a lot of people can shoulder that. You know, for me, it was it was about, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy. You know, my life has changed. But, you know, once you – and you mentioned a good point. Once you get in that environment where all of a sudden you're playing with the best in the world, the best athletes, guys that have been in the league, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, these guys, this isn't Kansas anymore. <laughs> this isn't the University of Miami playing Montana State. This is big boy football. And oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden you got to compartmentalize that. I think you enjoy it now, but as soon as you sign that contract, we own you, buddy. <laughs> I remember, look, I'm looking at, I go, that's Dean Stein cooler and Bruce Matthews. Oh, wow. This is a little different than Florida State. <laughs> Lining up against him, dude. Tony, you know what? Dwight Stevenson, he baptized my Dude, ass. he was too, man. Oh, I, I don't know if you played against Dwight Stevenson. But... No, Ray Donaldson beat the hell out oh, of me. Oh, Ray Donaldson. But I remember vividly when I went to training camp, and I think every player in the National Football League as a rookie has that story. Uh, the first, uh, our first practice, I held out. I signed my big contract. You know, it is big shot rookie. Hey, new money. We're going to show you. We're going to baptize you. We did an inter squad uh, practice with Miami. Uh, they were in town in Atlanta. And uh, you know, by the way, I got to thank the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, it wasn't the best experience, but they did change my life. But anyway, uh, first reps were one on one pass for us was Dwight Stevenson. Oh, and I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, well, Hey, here I am. Yeah. Second player picking a draft. I'm going to bull rush his ass. And, you know, this, who is this guy? Because I didn't know anything. I mean, the guy's been you. in the league five or six years, right? They didn't have Instagram, they had social media, Twitter. They didn't have any of that stuff, right, Dan? Yeah. So I'm just like some young green guy, like, you know, doesn't know any better. First play, first rush, bull rush throws me down. All right. Well, I'm like, okay, hmm, who is this guy? <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? Who? Uh, just line up again, rookie. Try to do a rip technique. Threw me down. I'm like, what the F? All right, let me try like a little head shake. Threw me down. I'll tell you what, after that third play, I was like, who in the hell is this guy? <laughs> well, he's just the best, one of the best offensive linemen that's ever played in National Football League. And I remember vividly after the, after the drill was over, he comes up to me. And I had my head down, man. I had my yeah, head between sure. my legs. I'm like, hell, I'm ready to quit. Yeah, that's okay, rookie. He said, you know what? Rome wasn't built in one day. And I said, well, hell, I hope this doesn't last forever. But that's a great story. But, I mean, that's just a, that's the nature of the National Football League. As I mentioned, it's great these guys get drafted. I mean, I, I think there's so many great stories. And I love seeing the drama and everything unfold. But you know how it is, Dan. Oh, yeah. Get, hey, when you, you get there, 
It's Dude. like, hey, boy, we're, we're, we got you now. We're going hey, to do everything we do to embarrass you. Hey, man, so I get lined up. I'm lining up on Ray Donaldson, and I'd never seen a head fake before. And so, like, you know, when you line up in college football, you just pick a guy up and throw him on his head. It's all good, right? Right. right. This guy's 6'5". He's 335 pounds. This guy's quick as a cat. He benches 500 pounds, and he's doing this, and I'm going like this. And I just was like, you son of – what the – I mean, I've never had it – I mean, he comes up to me after – and he goes like this, Hefe got you. you. Ever seen that before? I go, hell no, I'd never seen that before. I had never had that happen. Hey, real quick, two Super Bowls you win with the Cowboys. Cowboys address it with Parsons, the mm-hmm. linebacker from Penn State. Is that a beginning? Because, hey, signing Dak is great, but they got to fix that side of the football, don't they? Yeah, I think uh, Micah Parsons, they couldn't get the, the defensive backs and uh, Sertan and, and uh, you know, J.C. Horn. So I think that they really were very hot on this guy. I think he's got a tremendous upside. Uh, he's a true middle linebacker. If they can go and, and, and get someone in, in the second round, I mean, they have 10 more picks, Dan. Yeah. Um, but if they can go and find a, a defensive lineman, um, you know, the kid from Kristen Bar- Barmore from, uh, from Alabama and the kid from Washington, I don't want to butcher his name, but if they can find a tandem of defensive tackle – because that's something they need to address. I mean, that's the position that's really eluded them. And you, you take the, the linebacker that you just added. And, I mean, they, there's enough guys in the, in the second and third round that can address the cornerback position. Um, that's what they got to get better. Last year they gave up so many yards versus the run. And I think in a Dan Quinn defense uh, with Parsons and adding the defensive tackle inside and really, really focusing on that defense side of the ball, that's where they got to get better. I, I anticipate them to do that, hopefully, in the second or third round tonight. Absolutely. And Tony Casillas, second-round draft choice from the Atlanta Falcons, went two Super Bowls, pro bowler. Don't forget, DB and A television channel every Monday through Friday p.m. Central Time to 6 via Roka TV. You can also get it, Amazon Fire. Follow him on Twitter. He is a great follow. He's one of the legendary players from Oklahoma, he knows I admire him, and he knows that we're boys for life, brother. Absolutely, you. brother. Anyway, oh, anytime, man. Thanks for having me, brother. You got it. That is Tony Casillas, number two pick in the National Football League's draft back in 85, won those two Super Bowls with Timmy Johnson's Dallas Cowboys. Let's go over to our friend here, Joe Theismann. And I've been waiting for Joe to tell me. <laughs> I, I, I had Phil Sims yesterday. And, and, and Joe, we were talking about these quarterbacks. And I'm sorry if I'm going to I'm going to start it out when I hear a football team like the 49ers or I hear like a team like the Bears go. We have projects. And I do this. You're going to pick a project at number three when you had Jimmy Garoppolo in the building. That's 22 and eight. The guy you drafted may never be better than that guy. And Joe, I know he's missed 53 percent of his games since he's been a quarterback in San Francisco. How do you look at that deal in San Francisco, having Garoppolo still in the building, and you're bringing, I guess, a project in, in Trey Lance? Well, you, you know, first of all, Dan, it's so great to join you again. I always love spending time with you. Like, and like Tony said, man, anytime. It's just fun for us to be with you. I, you know, I don't have a problem with teams sort of backing up whatever they have at that particular moment because the market is so thin. When you really look at look at the teams in the National Football League, there's probably 
five or six next year that we can say have older quarterbacks that they're going to have to look for as well. It's a supply and demand business, and there's no quarterbacks. There's no supply. I mean, look at how quickly those guys went. You know, Jacksonville, the Jets, uh, I mean, Chicago, San Francisco. Uh, have they been ever really happy with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? That's the question you have to ask. I think Kyle Shanahan is an incredible uh, play caller. I, I just Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, to me, are – the two of the leading guys when it comes to offenses. And so Kyle, I'm not sure he's hundred percent sold on Jimmy, but you, you have to be able to have a quarterback to be able to be successful. So that to me makes sense. Um, and, and you look at, you look at the deal with the Rams when Goff went to Detroit Stafford to the Rams. Why do you think they made that deal? They may, I'll tell you why they made it funny. You should ask Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is me doing me. Oh, no, um, I love it. Please. The thing is, is they, they feel like that's the missing link to get them to the Super Bowl. I think, you know, Jimmy, we knew that the year that San Francisco went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Jimmy was just a, a good quarterback. Now they think they can find someone who can add a different element to it. Uh, and, and so for me, I don't mind, quote unquote, the term projects. It's better to have someone that you think has the ability to be able to play than try and shop around in this market for someone who's been recycled. Let me do this then. OK, I I'll hit on the rest of the quarterbacks that went into the first round last night. You say that, Joe, and then I look at and I, I, I just got through talking to Tony Casillas about this and I'm like, what is going on in Green Bay? OK, uh, I look at I look at Cincinnati. They get Joe Burrow receiver. They get Tug of Viola in Miami, a receiver. They're trying to help him. And all of a sudden, during the draft, I mean, I guess Aaron Rodgers had bitched earlier before the draft saying, I don't want to come back here. What do the Green Bay Packers do, Joe? They reach up for a corner instead of going and going, here's an olive branch. Let's get a tight end. Let's get a wide out. Let's get somebody else, an old lineman, maybe to help protect him. Something that would be an accessory around him. They go on the other side of the ball. I'm not saying they don't need help in the back end. They do. But, Joe, give me a sense because you've been in rooms where, you know, management sometimes is going to be for you. They're going to be against you. Tell me how you're reading this. Management is never against you. Management sometimes has their own plans. To me, there's just a tremendous lack of communication. Um, and this, this wasn't just this year, Dan. Go back to last year when they took uh, Jordan Love. That's what set this whole – Aaron situation in motion. That's when they could have taken a, a receiver in the first round. There were there were ones available. They could have found some help for Aaron on the offensive side of the ball. Heck, you got six other picks for goodness sakes. And and you know now Jordan Love has sat for another year. And I, I just you know I know he wants out, but we heard all this about Russell Wilson too. I'm not happy. I I think the first thing Green Bay has to do is they have to sit down with their quarterback and get that right. Now, the last two years, the 2022-2023, uh, it's my understanding they are not guaranteed contracts or guaranteed money for Aaron Rodgers. First thing I'd do is guarantee that money. Second thing I'd do, and you take into consideration, I know Tony played down in Dallas, they, you know, Dak Prescott has sort of set the bar at $40 million. So you're telling me Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers are on the same level? No way. Okay. No way. So Aaron Rodgers, to me, is underpaid. Yeah, and not not that money would make a difference in this situation to a large degree, but it would go a long way of basically him saying the Green Bay Packers saying, hey, we value you. What bothered me last week is when the Packers came out 
whether it was their GM, I believe it was their GM, and said, Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. How do you say that? <laughs> you can't. How do, how do you and not and not piss him off more than he already is? Right. I, I mean, it, it's like, come on. What what I guess my question is, what more does the guy have to do on the field for you to prove to you that he's got at least at least two years left, maybe more to be able to play? We're seeing guys playing longer and longer. He stayed relatively healthy, doesn't miss many games. Has as an incredible ability, and now he, he finally went through another year with with, uh, with Matt. So all of a sudden, now you're getting more comfortable in the offense, and and now you're going to start to change things. If Aaron Rodgers is not a Green Bay Packer, the Green Bay Packers have absolutely no chance to win nine football games and make forget about the playoffs. They can't win nine football games because you're bringing in a young guy who has no experience. And, and let's face it. In our game, experience has a, a lot of value. Athletic ability is terrific. You don't need to run around. Maybe Jordan loves a run around guy. Maybe you know, we know Justin Fields can move around. We know uh, you know Trey Lance can move around. But let me see. Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls. He needs to be timed on a sundial. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's how that's how Tom. Peyton Manning's won two. Eli Manning's won two. So the 55 that have been played, I just cited 20% of the guys, Drew Brees. There's another one. These guys, are, they're pocket passers. They're, they throw the ball from the pocket. They don't run around and make plays with their legs. I mean, you know, Kyler Murray is an exciting young football player in Arizona. What was their record? Yeah, right. So, so I, I, you know, when you talk about a project, they have Jimmy there and good for them. And I think Jimmy will keep the job. Now, what's going to happen going forward? Maybe he becomes trade bait for him for someone else because we know people are going to be looking again. You know what I called this draft, Dan? This is a relationship draft. You look at the receiver from LSU going to Cincinnati. He was there with Joe Burrows. You look at the receiver, Waddle, from Alabama going to Miami. He was there with Tua. You look at the relationship between Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Who do yeah. they wind up with their quarterback? Mac Jones. Jones. Right. So to me, this is a relationship draft. Who knows who? Who has seen who and who are we going to put together? Right. A lot of trust there between all of those dynamics there. Well, Joe, let me let me ask you this then. Do you think Aaron Rodgers retires as a Green no. Bay Packer? Or do you think he plays somewhere else? I think – wow, what a great question that is. Um, you know, in this day and age, I mean, remember, Joe Montana finished yeah. in Kansas City. Joe Namath – I you know, I, I'll throw Joe Namath out just for those people that are older. Uh, Joe finished <laughs> up in Los Angeles. Uh, right. Hey, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart is a was the guy I played with, a lifelong St. Louis Cardinal, finished in Washington. So, uh, and Brett Favre, yeah. well, Brett's got a lot of stickers on his suitcase. Okay, so he <laughs> moved around a little bit after leaving Green Bay. I, I think it's it's certainly conceivable that he could finish there, but there's a there's a big bridge that has to be mended between management and Aaron at this point. It makes no sense for Aaron to sit out economically. I mean, it's going to be, well, I don't know what the number is, 30 million, whatever the number is to forego that uh, just to prove a point, just to force them to, uh, to trade them. And the, and the team's not obligated to do that. I think he's under contract for a couple no. more years. So they're not obligated to do anything except I think they have to mend, mend this bridge. Um, you know, they're close. 
be it not for a, a defensive back having a mental oh. lapse last year, it could be the Green Bay Packers we're talking about as world champions. So, it, it, I, and you're talking about the MVP of the National Football League. Um, it, it just, I, I'll use this word because I believe it's appropriate here. Aaron Rodgers deserves respect from the organization, and he hasn't gotten it, and he's not getting it. And I don't understand it. Like you said, Joe, he's 26 and six, two conference title game appearances in the last two years with a brand new rookie head coach. I mean, I don't know what the hell else you're expecting. And like you say, a defensive lapse going into the half, which is critical in a conference title game. I don't know how you put that on the quarterback here. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you a story, Joe. And I want, I want you to tell me if you think because you mentioned love in Green Bay, and I, I was in camp with Troy Aikman in his first year, and I had Coach Johnson on with me yesterday. We were talking about this one dynamic. They get the number one overall selection in Troy Aikman. What is Jimmy Johnson's first move? He drafts Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft. He's a quarterback. Puts him in the room. Now, Jimmy said yesterday that he drafted. Now, that kid won a national championship for Jimmy at Miami, but Jimmy said that he drafted him to get more first-round draft choices. You know, and me, you and me as a player, we're going to go, you drafted me in the same position. He's a first-rounder. I'm a first-rounder. My point to you is, does that bug quarterbacks really as much as the media says that you're drafting somebody, especially if you're young or maybe even if you're somebody like yourself? Does that piss you guys off? Not at all. Not at all. You know, I, I, Dan, I'm a, I'm a windshield guy, not a rear view mirror guy. Any Whoever's behind me is going to stay behind me. <laughs> you know, that's for the team to worry about, the what if. But, you know, I think of, I believe after we won the championship, I think in 1982, I could be wrong, right around that time, the, the Washington football team, at that time they were the Redskins, I believe they drafted Tom Flick number, huh? in the second round. So, you know, what are you, what are you trying to say to me? Nothing, to be honest with you, because I'm unaffected by it. It's still going to be a matter of competition. Troy was going to be the quarterback. Jimmy was sort of protecting himself a little bit. And that's, that's what they're talking about when they talk about, quote, unquote, the projects that we're bringing in. Yeah, the, the, you know, uh, Lance just hasn't played a lot of football. Um, Fields has played with a, a lot of great players around him. You still, this is a different game than college football. Oh, yeah. You know, our number one pick, Drew, uh, Dwayne Haskins, two years ago, three years ago, was, you know, he, he, you know, 50 touchdown passes at Ohio State. Well, now he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. It just didn't quite work out. So, you know, and, and different guys have moved on from different teams. This is the way I look at it. If you're drafting one, two, three, four, five, unless you make some kind of monumental deal, your team probably needs more than just that quarterback. I'll take you all the way back to 1971 when Jim Plunkett was drafted by the New England Patriots. Got beat to, to heck out there. Wound up going to San Francisco. Same thing. Winds up going to the Raiders, wins two world championships on his third team. Uh, and so we, we, don't, we don't necessarily see the secession that we've seen now like they had in Green Bay with, you know, Brett and Aaron. San Francisco with Joe and Steve. Um, that doesn't happen as much in football anymore as you would hope to have it happen. I mean, here in Washington, for example, and I believe the number's correct, after I got hurt in 1985, we've had 37 different starting quarterbacks wow. in 36 years. 
I mean, it's hard to keep somebody on the field. And then you look at, obviously, you know, Tom Brady is, is an entity unto himself. You know, Dan, what's going to be great is when Tom turns 50 and we're celebrating it, we're going to say, can he win just another one? Can he win number 12? I don't know if he can. Can he get his number in Super Bowls? So we, we can do a commercial that says, this is my number and these are my trophies. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. He really, man, this guy's 50. I, hey, oh, I can, I can, it's amazing what he's doing. There's no question about it. I mean, but the rules have changed. Joe, let me yeah. ask you this question here. You know, I... I, I think one of the most important things about these young quarterbacks going into the draft, maybe you tell me, how important is it to go to the place that's the right place for your skill set? Because I, I know this in my – I was a defensive tackle when I was at the University of Miami. The Buccaneers draft me 56 player taken. I get there, they want me to play nose guard. I went, I've never played nose guard in my life. I never played it in junior football. I don't, all I know is a three technique, get up the field, make plays and make tackles. They wanted to be a slug nose guard and just keep the linebackers free. And I'm going like, I've never done this position. I don't know the technique. I don't know the footing. They drafted me out of position. I'm not making excuses because when you get there, you're supposed to be a professional. But it kind of got to me and it ran me out of the league. On me, Joe, not making excuses. Right. But I thought if I had went to a place that maybe drafted my skill set, maybe giving me a better chance to succeed. Am I right when I say that? Absolutely. I think even more today than ever uh, because of the specialization on offense, you have slot guys, pure slot guys. You have strong side receivers who have to block. You have weak side receivers that'll run certain routes. You have certain guys that'll go over the middle. It's the same thing at the tight end position. Can they get down the field? Can they block? What do they look like in space? Uh, offensive linemen, same thing. You know, the, the interesting thing about linemen offensively is the guards and the center, those three positions, basically all become interchangeable. Even the tackles now. Every, you know, obviously the movie The Blind Side was about the left tackle position, right? Today you have open ends on both sides. So your right tackle better be able to pass block as well as your left tackle because there are no blind sides because you're in the shotgun. So thing, things have evolved and different. But absolutely, I think that you have to be as a player – put into a situation where that system will complement your talents. There's only one problem with that, Dan. How long will that coach or coaching staff be there while they're trying to fit you into a system until the next one comes in that has a different system? And I think the difference in great coaches and good coaches, the great coaches have the ability to adapt to the personnel that they have. The good coaches try and fit round pegs into square holes and say, this is what we run. This is what we do. So this is a, this is the time where we have to be you as in football, you have to be flexible. You have to be fluid. You have to be able to adjust to what's on the football field. I mean, if, if you're, if you're a really, really good running football team, you can't abandon throwing the football. Classic example, I remember back a number of years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers were number one against the run. The New England Patriots threw the football. So what, what Coach Belichick decided to do, the first 18 plays, I believe, of that game, they threw. I'm not going to bang. Bill basically said, I'm not going to bang my head against the wall. I mean, you know, they're, they're number one against the run. Good for them. Let's see how they do against the pass because that's what we do well. But yes, I agree with you 100%. I think today more than ever, teams are looking at guys that fit into certain molds. Now, 
do you have the compliments around him? And I say this about every one of these young guys. The quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. Ask Patrick Holmes what it's like when you don't have two tackles in a Super Bowl. (laughs) You run for your life. On the other side of that, look at Tom Brady and the time he had to throw the football with an offensive line that stayed intact. Absolutely. There's no question when you have the components around you, gives you the best chance of success here. Two questions for you here, Phil. Actually, I'm Joe. Take Trevor Lawrence out of the conversation here. Dan, Dan, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm Joe. Phil was yesterday. Uh, Joe, sorry, it's it's too many hits <laughs> to the head. <laughs> too many hits to the head, Joe. Excuse now, me. Listen, I got to tell you something. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Phil as soon as we're done. As soon as we're done. If I had a minute, I'd text him right now. And say, <laughs> hey, Dan, okay. Not you had such a profound influence on Dan. He's calling everybody. <laughs> Phil. Yeah, yeah. I, that my wife would say that's that's common and that's something that <laughs> big Dan's doing. Now. Hey, quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence. Who did you like last night, Joe, in the draft? Zach Wilson. I like Zach Wilson as much as Trevor Lawrence. I, I I watched him in the second game at BYU of the college season. I said I love this guy. I love his athleticism. I love the way he can take it. He can take something off the ball. He can throw the ball hard. He squeezes it into places. He makes good decisions with the ball in his hand. He's durable. He's smart. Um, he checks every box as far as I'm concerned, as Trevor did. I mean, both of I, you know, to me, they were interchangeable at the one spot. You know, I know Jacksonville was going to go in that direction, and I, I knew the Jets were going to go in their direction. Now, the Jets have to fix a lot more than just their quarterback position. We know that. And and that's another thing, you know, I mentioned before about recycling quarterbacks, but when you really think about it, Ryan Tannehill down in Miami, Dan, you know that, he was a bust. Everybody said he can't play, you know, he's a converted wide receiver. Oh, well, let's, let's, he gets traded to Tennessee. He's a game away from the Super Bowl, played extremely well the last, last half of two years ago, played well last year. Could Sam Darnold be that guy in, in, in Carolina? That, I think that's the big one of the big questions coming up in football. Could there be another guy that's changed systems and changed teams and got someplace where it's going to work out better for him? That guy, to me, could be Sam Darnold. Absolutely. Bob Cilio here with Joe Theismann. So, <laughs> so, hey, that's on me here. Hey, Joe, it is always great talking quarterback with you because I love how you take us under the huddle or in the huddle under the helmet and give us the perspective really – because it's more than just kissing cheerleaders and cashing paychecks at that position. It's a whole group of being a great teammate, being in the huddle with your guys, and you give us the greatest perspective. I so love you coming on our program all the time. Thank you, uh, Joe. Listen, John, I appreciate it so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it again with you. <laughs> John out. Hey, thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> That is, oh, man, oh, man. (laughs) Let me take a time out here and gather myself. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? 
Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Dan Silio, National Football Show. <laughs> hey, man. It's always great touching base with our friend Joe Theismann. Been friends with him a long time. One of the toughest people I have ever known that has ever played in the National Football League. You know, everyone understands the injury, and they know what Joe went through. Lawrence Taylor, who's been on my show numerous times, said that he has so much respect for Joe Theismann, the adversity that he went through. He went through like an Alex Smith injury. And, boy, you talk about a guy, you know, who just put up, delivered, went to two straight Super Bowls, winning one of them, was a former MVP in the National Football League. I mean, just an absolute just tough guy. And was really awesome, I thought, in the Monday night booth. You know, people forget Joe Theismann was actually in the Monday night football booth and Joe really can give you a great perspective um, when it comes to talking the quarterback. Yeah, this Aaron Rodgers thing, man, it just doesn't make sense. Now, look, destinations where he could potentially land. You don't really believe that the Green Bay Packers are ever going to do conversation with the Bears, right? You're not going to trade him in the NFC North. I mean, even though we saw 
Eagles and Cowboys making conversation and doing a deal last night, you're not sending Aaron Rodgers to Chicago to have to face him twice inside your division. You could take that out. And if you're Green Bay, you think you're going to send him to San Francisco where you may have to potentially see that dude down the line and him winning Super Bowls in San Francisco and the NFC? You're not going to – you're going to do everything in your power. One, trading him in the North is not happening. Remember how Favre got back into the North with the Vikings? He had to go through way of the Jets and then get back into Minnesota. But they were – Green Bay wasn't going to send him right to the Minnesota Vikings. He had to go to the Jets first and let the Jets do that work, not the Packers. They weren't going to do that. They were going to – they were sending him even out of the division. So if they sent Brett Favre out of the division – out of the conference, what makes you think they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers inside the conference? This is why I say this. There's two places. I know the – listen, I know the Patriots drafted and went out and got Mac Jones. But if that guy became available, you send Mac Jones to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers goes to New England – Potentially, okay, maybe. But the place I think Aaron Rodgers lands, I think he lands in Denver. Here. Here's John Elway. Hey, Peyton, how'd you like to come play quarterback here in Denver? Okay? You go win Super Bowls there. And there's no doubt, in my opinion, he likes the veteran quarterback. He just made a deal for Teddy Bridgewater to bring him up to Denver. Teddy Bridgewater goes to Denver, okay? Maybe send Teddy Bridgewater to Green Bay. You put a package deal together, and John Elway gets Aaron Rodgers, and let's not forget something. Hey, Aaron Rodgers has the same agent that got Carson Palmer out of Cincinnati and sent his ass to the Raiders. David Dunn. So could they potentially be working on a deal? If he ends up leaving, in my opinion, it's got to be an AFC team. It's not going to be an NFC team because that's not Green Bay's MO. They're not going to sit there and trade inside their conference because they don't want to see that guy potentially in a conference championship game. Not saying that you'll ever see that again, you know, but it just kills me sometimes with these organizations that you have an adversarial relationship with a guy who's 26 and 6 been to two straight conference title games. And I get what people are saying about Aaron Rodgers. Watch this. Since he won that Super Bowl 10 years ago, he's 7-8 and eight in the postseason. Okay? Last year, do you look at that NFC title game and go, hey, that was on Aaron Rodgers. I thought Aaron Rodgers played great in that, in that game. I didn't think he played poorly in that football game. I actually thought he outplayed Brady in that NFC title game. And if it wasn't for a ridiculous defensive gaffe by the Packer defense – By the way, look at what they did. They went out and got a cornerback because that same corner gave up that play going into the halftime of the NFC title game. So it completely made sense. But when you've already urinated on your quarterback and publicly on the anniversary of you going out and drafting love a year ago, he was going to come out. Aaron Rodgers is not going to hold his emotions in any longer. You know, they put a contract extension on the table for him. But they wanted him to rework the deal. Why should Aaron Rodgers bend over backwards and do anything 
that can help the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers haven't been over backwards trying to make it convenient that they'd like to have him retire a Green Bay Packer in any way. It just makes no sense. You're never, I'll tell you this about my, my, my assessment on Rodgers is this. You will never in your life ever see a guy that can spin the rock as good as that guy in your life. And that includes the dude in Kansas City. You will never see anybody spin that rock like him. And then you combine this. Have you ever seen a touchdown to interception ratio like that guy? He's got those like 40 touchdowns and like four picks. It's crazy. You know, I grew up in an era where if a quarterback threw 30 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns, and had 10 picks, 12 picks, that was acceptable. This guy's got 45 touchdowns, three picks, and you're like, why are you trying to get rid of that? People would be bending over backwards to have that guy on. How about this? Is there a team in the NFL that would not take that guy? And I'm even going to name you star dudes. You think the Detroit Lions who just made a deal for Jared Goff would want Rodgers in that building instead of him? That'd be a yes. Do you think that the 49ers would want Aaron Rodgers? they got two quarterbacks now. Yes. Do you think that the Rams would rather have Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford? Of course. He'd be in New Orleans. He'd be in Miami. He'd be in New York, both New Yorks. He'd be in Chicago. He'd be in Tennessee. He'd be in Philly. He'd be in Washington. There's not a team in the – he'd be in Pittsburgh, even with Ben there. He'd be in Indianapolis, even with Wentz there. There's not a team in the National Football League that would not want this dude on their team. Oh, wait, I'll take that back. There is one. It's Green Bay, the place that he plays. It's never made. Hey, man, I'd be kissing this guy's ass. You know, it's kind of like your wife. You know, you sit there and you do this. Honey, how could I make it better for you? What do I need to do? Mow the lawn? Let me know. <laughs> you know, happy wife. You know, happy life. Happy quarterback. Happy football team. Hey, man, it's been great these two days, man. Enjoy yourself. Round two and three tonight. Don't forget, we're covering it wall-to-wall here on Jacob Media. I'd like to say this to all you guys. Big Sills, out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.